Hey everyone out there in the CBC Universe, welcome to another episode of Comic Book Characters. You know, because of the implication. <laughs> I'm your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Alfred. And I'm Chris, 13th level halfling warlock Gossidus. Oh, comic stuff! Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves stuff. <laughs> Should we do an episode? Let us know, listeners. Do you want us to do a review episode on Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves? We kind of want to, but... I'll do it in character. Fuck Let that. Us, oh, yeah. wow. I want to be... Uh, let's see what I'll be. What I'll be. I will be... Uh, I got Dragonborn Paladin. Okay. Okay. I was going to say a bard, but sure. Dragonborn Paladin. No, no, no. You're a Dragonborn Paladin that comes from old money that you're, like, you're obsessing over gems and stuff. Oh, yeah, like, no. I've really got, like, the currency, like, uh, the transfer, like... Real down, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, that fits. Great, because like mid mid arc, like you you become an oathbreaker because you're like ah oh, the money though, and you chase after that instead of the quest. Yeah, that's good. I'll do that. I would do that. <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? Not bad, not bad. Summer mode, uh, nice and hot out here. Yeah. What's <laughs> going on? The the sun ain't playing, man. Jesus Christ! It's like you can calm down for like a, a minute, right? Honestly, I think the sun is trying to kill us. It, like, yeah, like I mean, straight up. why now? Why now? We've been, you know, letting us rock for 100,000 years or whatever. Why now? Because we're, we're the millennial generation, man. You know, that's... It's, it's had enough of us? It's, yeah. We got too, <laughs> too, uh, too big for our bridges. We're like, oh, millennial? We're going to end this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see these snowflakes melt. Yeah, we're not getting to three thousand. That's for damn sure. Um, <laughs> ow! Things are going so good. Okay, hey man, this is the hundred and fiftieth episode. Thank you, Soundy. Um, how does it feel, man? How nice. does it feel? That's a whole hell of a lot, dude. Like, uh, I'm shout out to Daddy Boy. I'm not been here for all of it, like a hundred percent. But uh, jumped on board, like, you know, I, I guess a fair bit in, maybe. When did it come in? Like, 50? I should have lo looked that up before we started recording. Uh, yeah, no, I want to say... Um, I'm at least a hundo in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it feels good. It feels like, you know, uh, it. the, the schedule's been kind of, like, jumbled up because of COVID and because of life. But uh, it does uh, still feel like, you know... I think we're keeping it fresh. We're keeping it kind of all right, right? Oh, yeah. Plus, we just dropped the Guardians episode, right? Yep. So that's available right now. If you're listening to this, you probably already listened to that. But if you haven't, it's there. And we really, really get into the uh, into the nitty-gritty on the Guardians, and it's great. I think I really liked how that one turned out. Um, we've got A Course of Cross the Spider-Verse, which, again, dude, serendipity, talking about that John Cusack off the air. Um <laughs> Our, the first episode for a lot of, for any new listeners or anyone who hasn't been with us since episode one, and if you haven't, that's totally okay. But episode one actually dropped like the day of or the day after they announced that Sony and Marvel were going to work together and that Spider Man was going to be brought into the MCU. And so I always took that as a sign that that you know Ig and I were doing the right thing. 
changing the format of the pod into becoming more of a comic-centric thing. Oh, right, and, right. And, um, and lo and behold, we are rewarded yet again on 150 episodes with Across the Spider-Verse, which is arguably, spoilers, the greatest Spider-Man movie of all time. Uh, we're going to talk about it and, and, and see where everybody falls along, you know, that kind of line of hyperbole or not, or is it real as facts? Uh, is this my beautiful is life? It, is it all cap? Oh, yeah, yeah, cap. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, a lot of times I say shit on here and you're like, no, man, that is <laughs> cap, <laughs> FR, FR, like, for real, like, <laughs> but like no cap for this one I mean everybody it is the worst kept secret in the world about how I'm going to feel about this this episode in this movie uh, but I can't wait to get into it uh, it's also I mean and this is a little bit more of a somber thing and we're going to get into it in just a minute but also a giant creative and one of the founding what I would argue is one of the founding fathers of Spider-Man has unfortunately passed away, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, man, before we do that, I do want to give a quick shout-out. Thanks to all of the fans who are listening. Again, whether this is your first episode or if you've been with us since day one, the day one bunnies, man, 150 episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review when and where you can. I know you can do stars on Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Podbean. We're on Pod Addict. We're on Google Music. We're on Apple Podcasts. It's, it's, they're all there. So wherever you wherever you listen, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it, and we've got a lot of fun things. Oh, the other thing I was going to mention: we got Flash coming up too. So we got Guardians drop. Oh, we got yeah. this episode. We got Flash coming. A lot of stuff. A lot a lot of stuff coming, and I'm very psyched to to get into all of that but before we get into this just what is going to be a a spider-gasm of of an episode yeah 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 real i mean twip twip baby uh what's good man what 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 do you know what (laughs) (laughs) such a good you killed it with that one man that's so good (laughs) Thank you. Uh, man, what is good? Uh, oh, um, I guess apropos of nothing, I kind of I caught some dunks off of the, the sneakers app today. Oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. What'd you get? You know uh, what you were saying? It was just some dunks, some, some uh, Nike dunks. They're not even SB dunks. They're just okay. regular, regular kind of, uh, but they're Volt colored. I mean, that, that, it's probably easy come up is why. Uh, nobody wants the lime green colored ones, but I'm like, ah, fuck it, it's not too much. Um, that's I got a little extra scratch kind of rolling around, so maybe that's that's the actual really what's good. But um, yeah, yeah, doing those those uh, summer administration test things or whatever, right? Hell yeah, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I butchered the hell out of it, but I know it's it's some kind of summer summer gig you got going. College board pays well. There you go. There you go. Line those pockets with the ivy, baby. <laughs> what about you, man? What's good? Uh, I'm not dead. That's what's good. Uh, <laughs> so, listeners, you might be like, you guys just dropped the Guardians episode. Why did it take so long? Well, I mean, we recorded it quite a while ago. Um, but then I almost died or something. I don't know. Uh, I got this weird 
stomach thing? Was it a stomach flu? I don't know. At one point, I ate two crackers and literally blew up like fucking Violet, Violet Beauregard from Willy Wonka. Um, it was really bad. Um, it was trying everything in the world to not go to the hospital because I didn't want to be stuck in the emergency room for eight hours. But lo and behold, I wake up Monday and I feel pretty much fine and I can eat food again. So I, I don't know. Uh, happy to not be in excruciating pain. So very good. Yeah, uh, I guess it is the little things that count. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, other than that, I've just been, um, you know, honestly, I have been, I have been astounded at the remarkable quality of film in the year 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Asteroid City. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Delightful film. If It's coming out this weekend. Check it out. If you like Wes Anderson at all, it's right up there with Rushmore, with Royal Tenenbaums. It's it's so good. It is it's it's weird. It is a commentary on the structure of narrative and stage play, uh, if you can believe it. And then it's also just this quirky like mid-century America film and uh, really yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but I mean, uh, no, but like Honor Among Thieves like really blew my mind. I loved Mithrigan. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was really refreshing and uh, for the horror genre. Um, Across the Spider-Verse, we're going to talk about Guardians Volume 3, the return of really good superhero films. Um, it's just been... It's been a fun time in film. I, I've been so... Even Renfield was kind of a surprise. And um, John Wick, you know, John Wick 4 was a solid fourth film in a franchise, which doesn't really happen. Oh, even the Transformers uh, Rise of the Beast, which is that a movie we should cover? I don't know. Y'all let us know. Um, that one was probably the most fun I've had in any Transformers film. So. Okay. Fair enough, I guess. I mean, I there's, there's a bunch of movies in that franchise. I know most of them are really terrible, but I'm just saying it's, it was... City, though. Like, it, it's got Jason Schwartzman in it. Yeah, what... That guy's not in anything good, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, just uh, happy to be keep trucking along and um, watching more good films. That's what's good for me. Let's get into something that's not good at all. Uh, that is a weird transition. That's but a bizarro for us in real life. That's a that's a big wheel for me, honestly, right there. But. Uh, <laughs> But no, this, in all sincerity, uh, John Romita Sr. unfortunately has passed away. His son went to social media and let everybody know uh, he passed away at the age of 93. And I, I, I almost feel like I'm a nerd splaining at this point because I, I feel like almost every single person um, that would be listening to this podcast knows who John Romita Sr. is. But just, if you don't, think of any iconic Spider-Man image from, like, 1965 to, like, 1985, 1990-ish, uh, right before Todd McFarlane. And that's almost going to always be a John Romita Sr. image. Um, we're talking the classic 50th episode uh, issue of Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man No More, where it's the Spider-Man in the background and Peter Parker's walking away from him. Uh, we've got the uh, 
the final chapter, which is the one where uh, Spider-Man is like holding up a bunch of machinery. That episode, that issue. Why do I keep saying episode? That issue is one of the best uh, issues of Spider-Man. Period. We've got the Green Goblin and Spider-Man fight where where Norman finds out that it's Peter Parker. Uh, that cover, uh, just a lot of good stuff. A lot, a lot of good stuff for John Romita Sr. Do you have, oh, at least I forget, and this might be your favorite. I don't want to, I was about to ask you what's your favorite John Romita Sr. anything, but uh, Barry Jane, the face of Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. Oh, yeah. That's John Romita Sr. <laughs> yeah, any sort of kind of quintessential Spider-Man, like image that you have in your head from that's kind of like uh, persevered through the years, That's that's him. Yeah, I, it, you, I was trying to like, uh, I guess, explain it earlier, but it's like it's kind of, I don't know, it's like um, any sort of animated Spider-Man kind of starts from his kind of like uh, character design almost. Right. It's just so easy. It's, it's very clean. Um, it's just quintessential. It, 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 it's a it's a huge loss just because I mean, how old was he again? Ninety three. Ninety three. Like so lived, lived a full life, you know, but. Yeah. But it, it, you just um, because it, it just puts into like uh, I guess context like the man's the man's life his work uh, it's now over and um, I, I, we have a lot it's always going to live on we have it forever but uh, yeah it, it's just uh, you, you want to see it continue as, as long as it can so absolutely um, but yeah essential. absolutely absolutely I mean one of the like the Mount Rushmore of Spider-Man artists absolutely includes and probably other, I mean, you might say Steve Ditko because Ditko of course did his first appearance. Um, but like, you know, it's probably Ditko, John Romita senior, Todd McFarlane. Mm. And then I, you know, I don't know who else you could make arguments for a couple of people, I guess. Um, I don't, I don't really know who comes to mind. Maybe John Romita Jr. Uh, he's been doing spider He's actually the current artist on Spider-Man. Um, has a very sort of divisive uh, art Dang. style. This no is very different life. from his father's. What is that? No love for Liefeld there? Well, Rob Liefeld, you know what's so funny? So, you know, Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, right? Those are two of, like, the biggest, especially of, like, when we were kids, uh. artists. They rarely drew Spider-Man. Okay. Like it was just they did, but it, you know they never drew on any of his books. They were never the artist of Amazing Spider-Man or Spectacular Spider-Man, or even Spider-Man. Um, they would, you know, if Spider-Man did a guest appearance in X Force, you know, Rob Liefeld might draw him, or I think Jim Lee was drawn Punisher at one point, and Spider-Man did a guest appearance, and so he drew him there. They clearly, obviously, could have you know, um, drawn him more frequently, but they just, I guess, didn't get the opportunity to. Um, but yeah, it, it is a huge loss losing uh, John Romita Sr. And much love goes out to all of his family and his son. Um, you know, one of the great things, and it, it's like, I don't know, man. It's interesting the way we work as, as humans. Um it's such an old thing, but like we only hear, I, I see all these amazing stories online now from all these different creatives that have worked in comic books talking about their interactions with, uh, with John Romita senior. In fact, Dan Slott, one of my favorite Spidey artists or Spidey writers 
was talking, uh, he was tweeting about one of his early interactions with John Romita Sr. And um, it's weird that, like, why do we wait until somebody passes to, to share these stories? Oh, right. It is such an odd thing. There are so many... And, and you know, I know John Romita Sr. obviously a very, like, a, a tremendous force in the comic industry. But I'm just talking about any person from Dick and Jane to Joe Blow, like... Everybody's got stories. Everyone's got amazing things that have happened in their lives or that they've been a part of. But we don't ever really celebrate people while they're living. And it's... So, mm. I don't know. I guess... I, it didn't mean to make it all about this. But I guess <laughs> one thing I'm kind of thinking about today as we're reflecting on the passing of John Romita Sr. is I want to try to celebrate people while they're alive. And... You know, I, I, we're gonna, I'm going to do a little bit more of that when we talk about Spider Verse. But um, any final thoughts on John Romita Senior or the uh, the the fragility of life? <laughs> <laughs> I can try to encapsulate human existence. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it, it's um, it's kind of an uh, impressive thing, right? Just like uh, he was probably doing what he loved all of his life, and he. Uh, he influenced everybody that like is alive to a certain point because Spider-Man is the most recognizable uh, superhero character apart from like I guess maybe Batman and Superman. Um, so that like, just to have that level of influence like at a, at a subconscious level to be ubiquitous that's truly astounding. Uh, I always get amazed at like thinking of uh, thinking too long and hard about like you know MMA fighters or boxers or whatever like the, you know only so many people in the world are this. At this profession, you know, at this professional level, whatever, and even more so for John Romita, it's like, man, you had the attention for of, of billions for like almost their entire life, right? Uh, so, yeah, that's an that's an insane accomplishment. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I think that's a great way of putting it. It the amount of lives that he touched truly spun a wonderful web. John Romita Sr. Rest in peace. Rest in power. Um, man, I don't have a good transition for this, except to say that uh, we go from the somber, solemn, reverent tone of John Romita Sr. to the what the fuck is going on? Why is this happening again? <laughs> what is, like, feeling terrible in a totally different, like, Sloppier way. Does that make sense? Oh no! I, I just barely looked at the the slack on the thread here. Hey, let me hit you with a, a sound drop. Oh my god! What is this, dude? What do you mean? What is going on? Uh, you know what? Before we get into this, this is what I think this means. Kevin, my guy, Uh-oh. my friend, my dude, our dude, Kevin, and Kevin Getting we trust. Quick. Get those shirts. They're at uh, T Public. <laughs> Bring us on the payroll. Has, has it fallen to us? Have, if have they bring oh, us oh, in, the pure vibes that we will bring into the MCU will wash away the sins of the fallen. Okay? <laughs> and I'm not, we're not, I'm not saying we're behind this. I'm not saying we're not. What did you do, dude? But what I'm saying is, we need to change the course 
we need to look down a different road here because the road I'm looking down right now, it is mm-hmm. a road that is derelict, that is uneven, that is treacherous. Okay, that is, right. yeah. yeah. What what the fuck is going on? You sound like Dennis Hopper in Waterworld right now. <laughs> Dry land is not a myth. He wears a jock strap as an eye patch. Um, <laughs> love that movie. Tanach Wetha is in a bit of trouble, it seems. Um, he had a relationship with a musician by the name of Maria Elena Rios. Okay. Who has come forth and is now alleging, among other things, um, sexual abuse, mm. uh, calling him a sexual predator. Jesus. Allegedly. I mean, these, that, these are her words. Uh, using the might of social media to, to advocate for herself. And look, I if I sound flippant or anything about, about the, vic- the alleged victim here... I do not mean to. I am just at a loss for, like, we're Groundhogging Day over here. Right. Um, we're still dealing with the Jonathan Majors thing. Marvel cannot catch a break right now. Um, you know, I will say, uh, according to Variety, at least, he's, Tanosh uh, Wethra has come out and said that he can... Uh, that he is false. The, the the claims by Miss Rios are false and completely unsubstantiated. Adding, "quote I cannot let it go unchallenged any longer." Uh, he does admit to them being in a relationship uh, about a year ago for several months. He says it was entirely consensual and so on. But the point is, you know, here we go again. Just. Just in the thick of controversy. Um, now, let me ask you this, Chris. Uh-huh. Um, and again, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, I'm not pulling for anybody here. It, you know, if he ends up having done these things and it's proven without a doubt a fact that he has, fucking terrible. Um, absolutely uh, unacceptable. <laughs> if we have to, if we have to say goodbye to. Um, <laughs> The, the more, I mean, we do, we do. You know, right. if they have to recast them, okay, whatever. That is secondary. All of that shit is secondary. But, um, I'm not pulling for one thing one way or the other. I always hope that this stuff is not true because it's gross, because it's terrible. I'd rather just less shitty things be out in the world. Um, how are you feeling about this? Is this just like, are we living now in the age of old Hollywood where there was just scandal rocking things every day of the week? Are we hmm. are we back into that mode with social media, with the ever-watching eye of the public and their, their <laughs> cell phones? Oh, or, like or, or, or is, 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 is Marvel somehow missing some kind of thing when they're casting? Or... Is this just unavoidable at this point? What what is what are your takes? What are your what are your thoughts on this? It's definitely not unavoidable. I mean, it's easy enough to be like a decent human being. Well, yes, absolutely on that. I mean, what I mean is in terms of like how much is it the responsibility of Marvel Studios to, right. to vet people and to 
understand. Because, like, this is not dissimilar also from the Josh Primo San Antonio Spurs situation That's that we true. dealt with this last season. Yeah. What I mean is this shit keeps happening. Yeah, man. Uh, fuck, you know. Um, I don't really know the details, ins and outs, like, because I don't know if it broke on social media first or whatever. From uh, what I understand, yes. Uh, Miss Rios herself took to social media to nope. levy these allegations. Well, I mean, that's kind of like uh, this is the digital revolution that nobody really kind of realized that was happening, right? I mean, it's the YouTube effect. It's like uh, we all have the means of production now. I mean, we can we can make content, um, and like people can get their narrative out there that much easier. And uh, if if this is the truth, then like fucking bravo because the truth needs to come to light and as swiftly as possible. Um, well stated. Yeah, but it, it's just I don't know. It's um, as far as like what I guess our purview is on the like <laughs> the media creation side and like uh, I guess interpretation thereof. It's kind of fucking weird, man. I, I saw that all the Marvel stuff got pushed back like release date wise. Oh man, I forgot to put that in the Slack. But yeah, if you want to pull like, up those kinda, dates, if you can find it somewhere, uh, I turn into it, right? I mean, it's just I I think they've been going at a such a breakneck clip for mm-hmm. so long now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just like all throughout Phase Four. It's like. New new release date, new release date. Let's get the movie out there. Let's get a movie out there. Got to make these millions, whatever. These billions, shit. Um, it, it, a lot of things, it, it, like in any business, when you just f- completely focus on profit, it, it, a lot of things are going to get gonna, uh, go by the wayside, including like in quality uh, assurance, which is this is a part of QA, I mean, baby. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it, it just speaks to kind of like what we were all feeling in the last couple of years, like uh, the the, prod- the quality of the products getting tarnished, and it kind of like I guess even to like the executive room, they don't really give a fuck. They they you know uh, I, I, I I you know you really don't don't wish that, like you know bad things come to light about RDJ. Like, uh, oh, yeah, all throughout Marvel Phase 1, he's a fucking asshole. No, you'd hope not, right? And none of that did come to We didn't hear anything like that because probably he wasn't. Because the man's been through enough and he's kind of learned kind of how to operate as a human being, as an adult. So, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's kind of sickening. Again, I guess it kind of speaks to, like, the the too savvy consumer nowadays. Like, I guess we're included in that category, right? It's just that... We have too much access, and that's kind of weird. And like you were saying earlier, though, not that we didn't have access in the past. There were tabloid uh, magazines that you know, a fucking variety still around, right? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It, it's just it, it feels kind of weird. It, it again, that it, it makes it feel that much worse because as nerd culture, uh, you want to like, oh, you, you always feel like you're trying to prove yourself why you're here to begin with. And any little reason would be like, oh, see, fucking nerds. That's why you can't let them have anything. Yeah. Any little thing. I'll, like, I'll take that. Well, I'll take that that argument one step further. We, yeah, yeah. We're talking about, you know, a POC, a person of color here, mm-hmm. right? What did we talk about when we reviewed Wakanda Forever? We were like, well, this isn't quite on the level of a Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. It's. It's, you know, maybe a level below, but it's important. It's representation. It matters. The way, you know, the colonization, like everything. The You know what I mean? Like, it's for a certain group of people. It's representative of a certain group of people. And so to get, you know, 
that performance that was out there in the film that was that was widely praised and to get all that positive attention and to to be like okay cool we're we're finally getting somewhere in terms of representation and then to have this happen it's just like it allows people to come in with the narrative of like see this is why yeah this is why they don't deserve a voice. This is why they don't need to be on screen, so on and so forth. Exactly. And it's all bullshit, but they can make that point if these allegations are true. Like, it, it, the, the, the point is bullshit, but, like, they can make it with enough of a standing that for other people to kind of buy in, and that sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Like I'm trying not to get too personal with this because it it really was upsetting. It's not, you know, uh, the the real facts of it and the real detail have not really come out. We're hearing a lot of like, you know, general descriptive. Like I mean, sexual predator, not great, but it's also not specific, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So, but like it allows people to talk about hearsay and to kind of view things in a negative and then completely use that to weaponize certain agendas. And that's, that's very disappointing. Again, just try not to get too personal with this. This is upsetting, very upsetting to me. Um, but yeah, I hope again, I hope it's not true. Not because I'm trying to defend, you know, this guy, it's because I don't, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. Not what right. he's going through. Not what these allegations. What what Miss Rios is going through. Right. Um. I. You know. Unless it turns out that it is. You know. Her story is something else. But regardless, you know. That's why I hope it's not true. Not to save his ass. Just so that again there'll be little, just a tiny fractional amount of less evil in the world. Please. <laughs> yeah. Just on like the release date stuff, it's like most of it's been like a uh, Captain America: Brave New World moving back. Um, like a well, month. we should talk about that real quick. Uh, Brave New World was originally called New World, New, 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 New World Order. Uh, that's a little <laughs> wrestling callback for some of y'all out there. Um, it was originally called New World Order, and they don't change it to Brave New World. I guess Aldous Huxley's estate right. got involved, and we're like, we want some money. And they're like, <laughs> okay, here's some money. <laughs> I, I imagine there's going to be a lot of pills in, involved in this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. We're going to embrace the thing that holds us back? from. Do you think the movie is now narratively going to be so dense and complicated <laughs> that if they're gonna, we're going to re-see the scene, like the first ten minutes of Act 1, like five different times so that we oh, can I actually hope. understand what is happening? <laughs> I hope so, man. Fucking Orgy Porgy, that's in that book, right? Yeah. Orgy Porgy? <laughs> Fucking hell, let's do it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... Thunderbolts game moved back. Uh, Fantastic Four to, to uh, made second twenty twenty five. Avengers King Dynasty. Uh, everything's getting pushed back in the foreseeable future. And like fucking good. Like yeah, take I'm okay with all of that. I'm okay with all of that. Um, especially with the fact that we are going to get the quickest turnaround for any Marvel sequel with Beyond the Spider Verse, which is tentatively scheduled for March of next year. 
Although okay. with the writer strike and so on, it is entirely possible that that gets pushed back. But yes, the 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 tentative release date versus the release date of Across the Spider Verse is, I think, three hundred and one days. All right, which is pretty pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, so that's okay. And honestly, with, with the hearing that the King Dynasty is getting moved down with all the stuff with Jonathan Majors again, that we're not even clear on yet. And trust me, we'll cover it on the pod once we get some like definitive info. You know, good. The more space that we have for all of that to like adjust and or change and or fix what needs to happen, great. That's fine. <laughs> Disney, chill out. You're gonna be okay. Marvel's gonna be okay. Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> Just relax. Let let all this shit play out, and let's see where it goes. But um, you know, again, no problem with them recasting the character if need be. Um, real life takes precedent over make believe, guys. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone feels the same way, but that's that's how I feel. Do you, do you need a sound drop to kind of take you out of this mode? Well, you know, that's actually funny that you say that because, again, I'm finally feeling a little better digestive-wise. And I think it's about time I treated myself Uh-oh. and you uh-huh. to some cake and pie, maybe some coffee, over Ooh. on down in the casting corner. Oh, baby, it's summer. Come in, cool off in the casting corner. Oh, man. Okay, so excited about this casting corner because it's going to seem bad. I'm going to let you know right now, listeners. It's going to seem bad, but like most things, there's a silver lining. There is possibly a light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm pretty excited about it. So for this casting corner, we have talked about sort of – we've talked about potential castings for this movie. I mean – my God, the amount of YouTube videos that are out there that are talking about the, the speculative casting of Fantastic Four is quite a lot, quite a lot, quite a lot. It stretches very far, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but the latest strong rumor was that Margot Robbie and Adam Driver, two like very top-of-the-A-list names in Hollywood, were mm-hmm. putting name to pen... Putting na- pen, pen to paper. I'm so bad with cliches. Putting <laughs> pen to paper. Signing the dotted line. They were going to play Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards, and Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman. Um, but wait! Maybe that's not true. Because another report came out, again, from Variety, that said <laughs> that negotiations broke down, that they wanted... Um, Robbie and Driver, that is, uh, I guess the way their contracts were structured, they wanted too much on the back end, more than Marvel was was comfortable with. Really? Uh, that's, that's the rumor. That's the deal breaker? That's, that's the rumor. But, regardless, okay, first of all, I want to say that I think as good of, uh, as Adam Driver would be as Mr. Fantastic, I, I do like that casting. I think he would be a much better Victor Von Doom. Oh, oh, hell yeah. A thousand percent. But maybe he doesn't want to play the villain. You know, he was Kylo Ren, whatever. I don't know, whatever. Um, but we got word uh, that 
Vanessa Kirby mm-hmm. is now the front runner and is now very close. Maybe was always the front runner. Apparently was the first choice by the director of Fantastic Four to play Sue Storm. Vanessa Kirby. By the way, Chris, I don't know if you know what Vanessa Kirby looks like. If you want to pull her up on your screen, feel free. Yeah. If you see Vanessa Kirby, you're like, that's Sue Storm. She just looks like Sue Storm. If Sue Storm were a real person that just walked around this earth and she wasn't using her powers to be invisible so you could see her, I think she would look like Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby was in The Crown. That's where she got her breakthrough or breakout. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard she's very, very good in that. She's also in Mission Impossible, which I did see, and she was great in that. And she was in Hobbs and Shaw. And she was one of the better things in Hobbs and Shaw. Right. That's kind of where I sort of know her from. All right. She was one of the better uh, aspects of of Hobbs and Shaw, which was a very uneven, but sometimes fun movie. Um, I'm all on board for Vanessa Kirby. And dare I say, I think I'd rather it be Vanessa Kirby than Margot Robbie. Honestly, okay. If you could pick between Robbie and Kirby, who you got for for Sue Storm? Specific. Huh? Uh, I don't know. Uh, like it would actually answer the question if a woman has ever been on made the Evans list. If uh, Robbie Margot Robbie made Sue Storm? uh, well, technically Gamora, uh, Gamora, so Sundana has because she was in the Losers. And she was a comic character from The Losers. And then she's, of course, Gamora. So, Haley Steinfeld? Haley Steinfeld, yep. Voice of Spider-Gwen. We will be talking about her in a minute. And, of course, Hawkeye. Yeah. And then you've also got um, James Gunn's wife, whose name I always forget. Uh, but she was in Peacemaker and Shazam 2. And she's in Guardians 3. And she'll probably be in Superman Legacy. Hmm. Um. Yeah. No. I guess Vanessa Kirby is pretty good. I. There's. Why are we overlooking Maggie Gyllenhaal? That's that's good. Okay. I say that just to say that I think Jake Gyllenhaal would be a perfect reader. Oh uh, yeah, baby. This is. <laughs> you hit on my. So okay, let's pull the curtain back here, uh, true believers. <laughs> Look, I am not. Uh. If I'm not anything, I'm definitely a very, like, let's push some envelopes, let's make people uncomfortable, how far can we take art kind of person, okay? Because a long, long time ago, when I was a late teen, I wanted to write a romantic comedy where John and Joan Cusack starred opposite one another, real-life brother and sister, but in the movie are not brother and sister. They're just two other characters, two random people. But it's a romantic comedy, and how uncomfortable is that going to make the audience knowing in real life that is brother and sister? I Oh, I, I, I wrote a treatment for this. Um, the movie, I'm not even kidding, uh, the, the, the title of the script was called Ped Xing, like Pedestrian Crossing. Um, I have it somewhere in a drawer I'm not linking this up not lying not making this up but you with your Gyllenhaal theory or or, Gyllenhaal uh, Gyllenhaal paradox have brought it back the the fruitful idea of sticking real life siblings and making them be married or be a couple or have like sexual tension 
Much to the dismay of the audience, I love it. I'm all here for it. Let's do it. Of course, Jake Gyllenhaal is already Mysterio, but who cares? <laughs> They'd both be on the Evans list. It'd be amazing. It would be great. Um, but no, I, I really, uh, I really, I really like Vanessa Kirby. I think, I think, yeah. Yeah, if, yeah. and if you look at her again, it's like, oh no, that's Sue Storm. Like, it's not even a question. You don't even have to like do her hair differently. <laughs> or you know anything whatever you want um, okay so let's just say it is Kirby let's say it's not Adam Driver as, as Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards what do you mm. want do you want a John Krasinski do mm. you want a um, off? what's that the dude that already got killed off well it was, a, you know, it was an alternate universe though maybe he's smarter in one of the other ones mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know what's so annoying about that scene why what? They literally introduce him in the movie as the world's smartest man, Reed Richards. Right. Yeah. And then he does the dumbest shit you've ever seen <laughs> for the rest of the movie. And it's like, okay, well, maybe if you hadn't said that, this wouldn't be so egregious. But, like, you did say that, and now <laughs> we here we are, and Mr. Fantastic is a fucking pool, puddle of noodles. So he's spaghetti on the floor. <laughs> Great. Um, do you want a, um, a? I think his name is Glenn Howerton. He was uh, in Maverick. He uh, he's a kind of a younger, up and coming star. Who do you who do you want what? as your read? Glenn Howerton, Dennis from Always. Oh no no no! I'm sorry. That is well him too though. That could work. Yeah, um, yeah. dude, him as read. Fuck you. Know? <laughs> you no, know, just. Dennis and D. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh shit! <laughs> we got back to oh, it. Mac is the Human Torch, of course. Oh, and then, Mac would be such a good. Charlie good... is Victor Von Doom. Okay, Danny DeVito is Thing, right? The Thing. He's yeah. yeah. He's the incredible crunk. He's the Thing. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. We did it. <laughs> Kevin, where's our checks? Get us in, man. What are you? We're saving the company over here. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, we'll see you next time, Casting Corner. Um, until next time, we'll see you next time. That's exactly what I said. I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> I'm not going to edit it out. We're going to leave it there. It's there. It's there for eternity. For the next 150 <laughs> episodes, y'all can come back and listen to this and be like, this stupid idiot still talking? <laughs> Who let him do that? And Why? What if that was the sign-off for Casey Kasem? And for the next time, we'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for the next time, we'll see you next time. It's great. <laughs> so It flows so well. Um, all right, man. Let's get to the meat of the episode. We're going to do the Across the Spider-Verse review. For new listeners, if you, if you haven't joined us with a movie review... Well, you're in for a treat, because uh, I'm going to try to have a lot of fun with this one. But I do want to let you know, if you have not seen the film, you might want to stop here. You might want to pause, come back to your app later on your phone, go see the movie on the way back. If you're riding a subway, listen to the podcast on the way back. It's a great time. If you're driving home, listen to the podcast. Well, we're going to go through it, but we are going to spoil some stuff. Uh, so with that, let's get started with our review with Excelsior. Excelsior! Oh. 
And I realize now, yet again, I have forgotten our box office mojo minute. Oh, damn. Um, but, but uh, you know what? Let's, uh, yeah, let's do that first real quick. Because I love to put you through the ringer. I have to do it. Stan can wait for just a little longer. He's with us forever. He won't mind. All right, man. As you know, uh-huh. Spider-Verse has come out to rave review, both from the critics and the fans. It won the weekend that it came out. Now, um, oddly enough, uh, the Beast Wars or Rise of the Machines or Rise of the Beasts or whatever the hell that movie's called, the start, the Transformers movie actually yeah, came in... The- Walker's pants. There you go. Came, it came out at number one. Uh, it did beat out Spider-Verse just a little, but Spider-Verse is chugging along very strong. So what I want to ask you right now is, uh-huh. yeah. okay, it's been out for 12 days. Yep. 12 days. What is the worldwide gross for Spider-Verse? Just a little under two weeks. Days. I will tell you the estimated budget of the film if this helps you at all. Okay. Ninety to a hundred million dollars. That's so much money. I will tell you that this is the longest animated film ever. Is it? At two hundred and twenty minutes, yes. Wow. Okay. No fucking hell. I, I didn't even realize. Um twelve, twelve. 12 days, 12 times, uh, let's say $240 million. Hey, man, that actually, if we were doing just domestic, you'd nail it. It's $240 oh. million. But as of right now, that is pretty amazing, honestly. Very good, very good. Uh, it's because he was screen sharing earlier. <laughs> oh, my God, did you see it? Oh, shenanigans. 300 328 million worldwide. Goddamn! <laughs> 328 worldwide. Almost 329. And it's going to keep chugging along. I would not be surprised if this hits half a billy. Which, you know, and again, Ant Man Quantumania ended at like 493. But you got to remember, live action versus animation is a totally different thing. And um, at a budget of 90 to 100 million. You know the fact that it's probably going to make close to to five hundred million is insane. Um, what a what a tremendous film and and kudos to everybody involved. Uh, apparently, this is one of the largest animation um, animation casts. I don't know how you would say it. Like it's the largest animation huh? group animators in a saying? film. I don't know how to say this. It's the most animators in a film. Uh-huh. I think ever. Okay. So good, you know, just a lot. And if you see the film, you it's absolutely the proof is on the page, as they, as they say. It's uh, it's up there yeah. on the screen. Uh, but all right, Excelsior, uh, bringing back to Stan's uh, wonderful intro there. For those that are new to the show, it's anything where we enjoyed or liked. Uh, it could be anything from casting to animation style to scripts to narrative flow directing whatever score music you got it chris why don't you go first what is what are some of the excelsior moments for you in across the spider-verse and i know there's quite a few but (laughs) feel free to to pick and choose as you want and i'll jump i'll uh, jump in and when and where i can 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the first and most obvious one is just like how comfortable it is in its own skin. Like, I, I we the the stylized version of um, Into the Spider Verse that we got the first one, it, like it blew the doors open. Like, oh my god, animation can look this cool now, <laughs> and it, it just like it it just takes off running. Uh, like from the first minute in this one, it it just feels so comfortable. It, it its own visual language is so established at this point. Uh, it felt free and flowing. Uh, I love that uh, to see how fluid it was, like the in, in, in animation style. Um, that's a pretty kind of like general one. It, it looks good. Uh, but... <laughs> I, I think. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And in that statement, you're almost underscoring something else, which is they did not rest on their laurels. This isn't. This doesn't oh, look yeah. like the first film. It, no, no, it, no, no. it takes what they did in the first film and it blows it out like times 10 in a hundred different directions. Uh, it's really kind of insane with the bar they set in the first film to then reach this new level. <laughs> They're like redefining animation like every every outing now. It's just, yeah. it's insane. Yeah, there was some stuff that was carried over, like I guess the backgrounds kind of being like uh, the line art and like mm-hmm. the was kind well, of definitely like... in Miles's universe too, right? The right. 16, yeah. 1610 universe. Yeah, uh, it, it's just like they. Uh, I guess the first one was like proof of concept. Let's just try to swing as hard as we can. Um, we're only going to get one shot of this, and this one is like, hey, we got budget now, so we're <laughs> just going to have fucking fun. Uh, that, like the just the first sequence where uh, Gwen and Miles were like swinging throughout uh, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, that was that was amazing. That was great. Like uh, it felt like so much different from the first one, even though like you know this was totally like we, we were familiar with this, but like we, you could just drink it in. I want to go back and see it again just for that sequence. That's how I felt after seeing this movie. Um, there are so many things where I thought to myself, I need to see this again just for this. Yeah. Just to see this scene one more time. And I, and I could say that probably about like 15 different scenes, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Um, now, granted, I am the most biased observer possible, but my God, just, <laughs> I mean, I completely agree with everything you stated. Um, Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll throw one in here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, um, I think the, the kind of piggybacking off of the, the fluidity of the film, mm-hmm. I want to speak about the fluidity in a different sense, and that's the, the growth of the characters, and specifically Miles and Gwen. When you where we left them in the last film and where they start at the beginning of this film and where they end at the end of this film. Yeah. Real fucking journey. You know, they take a real journey and we as an audience really get to like kind of grow with these characters, you know. I I love that they aged up Miles like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that we were jumping in time a little bit and reconnecting with these characters at this point. Um, because, you know, I think it is one of the hardest things as a human as we age and get through our different stages in life. It is it is easy to 
to be nostalgic about a prior time in your life. It is easy to look at things with rose-colored glasses, and it is it is fun and easy to want to get stuck in the remembrance of it all. But something that we do tend to forget, I think, is to really understand the difficulties and trials and tribulations of particular stages in our lives and in mm. our younger lives. and to Because it's hard. Why would you want to live in those past moments that are hard like that? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's common sense. I totally understand why it's natural for people to want to move past that. Sometimes those are the only things that feel real. <laughs> wow. All right. Eat those. Quantify cold... existence by pain. Eat that old can of beans, man. You just fucking <laughs> just turn that little thing and get the lid off and just chomp right in, man. That's holy hell. Um, but what I mean is that we get to see the angst, the disappointment, the frustration yeah. of, of not only Miles, but of also Gwen. These, these actual, in these characters, teenagers. Right, they're really feeling a hundred and ten percent of their emotions. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I was gonna kind of like just to tag up on this. It was just like so many times, like uh, it, especially in the Tom Holland ones, like um, which do a good job incorporating like the the youth of these characters, but the their problems are so plot driven. Um, and this one, it really does feel like they are leading with the characters' choices, and like they fuck up. And they kind of have to deal with that in the moment and like have to like, how am I going to fix this? And can it be fixed? And blah, blah, blah. And it, that feels so real. Like that little bit of like, they were like, uh, I guess they had the, like the guts to kind of like let these characters be imperfect, let them be real. And like, let that lead the character arcs. Absolutely. And not only that, not only let them be imperfect, but because of their ages and the, and the stage of life that they're in, they don't have that like, older age wisdom or that confidence to, to for them to feel like oh I can overcome this mm -hmm. it will be okay I will figure it out they don't know that and 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 that makes them so much more compelling for it um just yeah just super there okay what else you got because I know there's more what do you got uh uh I guess I'm taking all the 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 juicy bits, I guess. The, the 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 extended chase scene we get, and like the spider. What is what is the actual term for it? Like the spider the, society. Or, yeah, spider society. Like where I Miguel, just call them the spiders. The spiders. <laughs> just like looking back, it's such like an Easter egg hunt, right? <laughs> you can frame by frame. I think you share share me like a picture, like a still frame of like a Spider Man ice pop. Yeah, it's the ice pop with the stupid <laughs> eyes, the gumball eyes. Yeah, he was going oh. after Miles, man. He was gonna get him. My question is this. That spider pop. Yeah. Let's just say hypothetically he does catch up to Miles. Right. What the What's fuck happens man? next? What's Does spiders just bite? Does he take a bite? Like, what is what happens? Because I would want to take a bite. I would want... I love those spider pops. Those are delicious. That's exactly the plan. He's going to... Hey, Miles, cool down a bit, my guy. You're running. You're, you're, you're burning hot. What? Oh, gonna, yeah. Shove himself in, the, in Miles' mouth. Give him <gasps> a great... Oh. Make everybody just kind of, you know, give him a chance to catch up. Uh, okay, okay. I thought you were gonna go darker. I thought you he was gonna shove down his throat and like get stuck. Jesus, dude. No. I I don't know, man. I had a I had a tough How week last week. Ice cream? I, I had a tough week last week, man. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> me are not friends right now, so. Um, 
Okay, yeah, great scene. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, let's see, let's see. Oh, for me, Spider-Gwen's universe. Oh, just so beautiful with the hues and the pinks and the, and the mm-hmm. like, the robin egg blue color or whatever that color is. The way it, the the backgrounds were constantly shifting and, like, sort of dripping into each other. Yeah. Which is straight from the comic books, by the way. Like, the covers are drawn like that a lot of times. And um, just, oh, my God, so beautiful. Like, you know, so many times, what, what, do, we, what do I talk about all the time with movies? Like, it's very hard for me to just straight out hate a film because I always try to find something I like in it, whether it's the script or the lighting or the locations or a particular actor, something, something to like hold on to. Mm. But this movie, it's just like, there's so much to it. And it is such a movie in the sense that if you see it on a big screen, the visuals take you in. The sound takes you in. The dialogue, the music, the score. It's also full and robust. Mm. It is it is such a unique viewing experience of a film. I again, as you can tell, I am just <laughs> floored by by the um by the beauty and the, the just the the majestic nature of this film. It, it really... I don't think if you gave me a hundred tries that I could have imagined what this film actually is. What it actually ended up being. I don't know if I could have imagined something done this way and in, in such a satisfying way. Hmm. Yeah? No? Uh, I mean, dang, dude, you're like a whole pack of gushers. Um, <laughs> so for this experience, where did you uh, end up seeing it? So I initially saw it. Um, so I've now moved to, to a different part of town where really the closest, the, there is probably a Santico's that's maybe closer, but I have an Alamo season draft pass. And so oh, yeah. I do go to the draft house a lot. But for this movie, because I knew how I wanted to experience it, um, I took uh, my mom, my sister, and Libby to the Evo oh, shirts location, which is actually way across town from me at this point, <laughs> but did not care because they have a screen that is nearly like the size of an IMAX, and the sound system is top of the line. Okay. And it was an amazing experience. Now, since then, I have seen it at my local draft house. Still very, very good, but I do feel like I made the right choice by seeing it at the Evo for that first screening. Nice. Shout out the spo- uh, sponsored? <laughs> Not yet. Ad? Uh, hashtag ad? Uh, we, we need to get there. I need to... I, I used to have no people at Alamo, but they fire everyone, and so then on, I lose all my contacts. It's not, it's not a fun time. It's capitalism. It's, it's not... That's it. That's all I got to say. It's not. It's not. Uh, where did you see it, man? I saw it at Draft House, uh, okay. Park North, I think. Yeah, you, like, like for you. Yeah. And, and it was good there. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Screen one at Evo, though, is like, uh, it's a totally different beast. It is, yeah, it's a good time. It's a real good time. Um, yeah, what else? Okay, you know what? Uh, man, I could, I don't know. Let's. 
let's move on. I guess, Uh-oh. and and if Uh-oh. we if we can if do you, unless there's more, do you do you want to bring up another thing that you uh, loved about the film? Mm. What do you think of? Well, you know what? That's gonna be. I'm gonna. I'll bring it up in a everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Because uh, there's other there's other segments where we can talk about the film, both positively and I guess negatively. Um, okay. So let's. I'm let's, all saving it. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go to um, Bizarro. Look, it am our most famous superhero. Yes, it be Bizarro number one. All right, everybody. New listeners, Bizarro is the segment where we talk about things that just did not work, did not click, were outright bad, didn't make sense to us. Could be a casting choice, could be the dialogue, could be uh, narrative pacing, could be costumes, could be the animation, could be, again, anything. And necessarily that we hated it, but just stuff that didn't work the way we were hoping. Uh, I'm going to go first, and um, yeah. here we go. You ready? Uh-huh. No notes. Whoa! Whoa! Is that a first for this you? This is a first, maybe for the, I mean, it's a first for me. It might be a first for anyone on the pod. I have no notes for Bizarro. Nothing. Right. There's nothing where I was like, no, or mm, no, no. It. There was not a single thing about this film that I would change. Damn, all right. Sign sealed delivered. Met the, oh, I, I see what's happening. I see. Well played, clerk. Well, <laughs> well played. You gotta make me to be a Norman Osborn. Is that what you're doing? Hey, man. I'm Green Goblin over here. Every Spider Man needs a villain. Something of a hater myself? Yeah. Okay. Well, Freddy, I guess. <laughs> what I didn't like about the movie. <laughs> uh, it's pretty hard to find fault in this. I think the only thing I kind of like thought twice about. Mm-hmm. Was uh, did we spend a lot of time kind of retreading the same ground as uh, into the Spider Verse, like um, because we basically have the plot line of uh, Miles being told that he's not ready for this world, or you know, being pushed out again by uh, the uh, the other Spider People. Right. Uh, um, we we kind of get that those uh, some similar beats. Happening. All right. So thematically, you're saying it's a bit of a retread. Right. Yeah, but not so far as like you know the Force Awakens or nothing like that. <laughs> right, right. Um, or, I think or like Evil Dead Two, which is just a remake of the first one. And with more um, money though, that's you know they could have just said money. Evil Dead One, but with more money and that you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think it's that big of a knock against it. I mean, it just feels like a little bit. But I, I think that he does. Miles himself does a lot to kind of prevent that completely from happening. Like uh, you know, one to one copy of the first kind of character beats like, like the the arc at least um in being occluded from whatever else is going on with spider peoples um he kind of he kind of pushes against it he kind of like he was like that speech from his mom like no 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 i do belong here i i we're, we're the good guys we we space we save people why are you making it harder um so he, he does have a lot of agency kind of like in fighting back against that um whereas the first one he's kind of long for the ride it was a you know an origin story a creation myth kind of um it does feel different. It just feels kind of a little bit similar. What do you think? Did you, that kind of come through to you too? I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, I think 
this is sort of how I took it because I did, I did, I did see that as well. Um, I'm not just watching this movie blindly, everybody. I, I am <laughs> watching it with a critical eye, and I do, I do know what you're saying. The way I took it is, it was a repositioning of the some of the themes from the first film, but mm. it was to show to me that Miles, even though he had this big breakthrough in the first film at the end of the film, it doesn't end. Just like in real life, you can have these breakthroughs and epiphanies in your life, and, and you can you can learn and grow and experience things and, and become a better person, but that doesn't mean that you won't be challenged in the same way again later. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Too many times... The way these stories are written, it's like, oh, challenge beaten, gone forever. And honestly, that's not how the world actually works. <laughs> you get <laughs> you get you can get beaten down with the same stupid type of people not believing in you from when you're ten and when you're thirty. <laughs> yeah. It keeps happening. Spoiler alert. Sorry everybody. Um and it sucks, but that doesn't mean you give up. And what I did take from that and what I thought was very, um, uh, very prevalent, very um, expressive in this particular scene was when Miguel was was trying to pin Miles down on the um, the transport that was going to the moon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he was Miguel was trying to reinforce all the bullshit from the first movie, basically. Uh-huh. You are not good enough. You're not supposed to be Spider-Man. You're not supposed to be here. You're a mistake or whatever. But yeah. Miles, from what he learned in the first movie and the gaining confidence, especially as he was figuring out how to beat all these other spiders, all these other Peters, all these other Ben Rileys, and everybody else mixed <laughs> in, he was like, oh, you're coming at me with this shit again? No. I know I belong. I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm doing is right. To me, the the recycling of theme here was done purposefully to reinforce his growth. Yeah. That's my take. I, I totally agree, yeah. I don't know, you know. But <laughs> again, this is why I have like no notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I mean I don't even know because like some of my favorite films of all time are like Infinity War, their Empire Strikes Back, their movies that that narratively, I guess my one like negative would have been if I didn't know, I mean obviously I know we're getting a trilogy here, we're getting a third film. But it's kind of interesting because you know, the first movie came out and then they said it was going to be Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and 2 originally. And oh, then right. they scrapped that title. And they were like, no, we're not going to do that. And they said, the next one's going to be called Across the Spider-Verse and that's that's all we're going to tell you right now. So, what I think is pretty interesting about these films, and we'll definitely know by the time Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out. Obviously, when they wrote the first movie... The movie is as it is. It sort of stands alone. Mm-hmm. But now with the second movie being the way that it is, the first movie re- retroactively becomes the first part of a trilogy. 
Oh, right. Which I never thought was going to happen. I always viewed it, especially when they were like Spider-Verse Part 1 and 2, I thought it was going to be Spider-Verse and then across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and 2, like a separate story that is two halves, essentially. And it still <laughs> is that, but it's also a trilogy now, and actually the first film does serve as the first part of a trilogy. It's it's the first act of a larger story. Right. We just didn't know it at the time. And that's that's so hard to do and actually nail. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's one thing if you have Lord of the Rings where you're telling a trilogy from the very beginning and everybody knows that and like literally everybody involved is like, okay, this is part one, this is part two, this is part three. Everybody act accordingly. But that's mm. not what they did here. And to me, that is kind of insane. Does that put a little bit of like uh, stakes into it? Like, uh, I, I can't see a world where this happens. But it, say if they stumble on the third one, yes, does that like lessen the trilogy as a whole? Does it? Because the first one is like such a standalone, perfect piece of cinema. Like, uh, it's almost like please don't touch it too much. <laughs> Let's just put it in a case and like admire it and rewatch it on FX every other day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely, and and and. But that's the weird thing, you know, at least with the first film. I don't think you can say the second movie stands alone on its own. Obviously, it doesn't because it doesn't have an ending. Right. But the first movie, they did this impossible thing where it is the first part of a trilogy, but it is also kind of a standalone movie. Mm-hmm. It is somehow both things at the same time. And I... Look, man, I, even if you knew that's what you were writing, I don't know how you write that. That's really hard to do pretty difficult <laughs> it's the, the 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 difficulty level is absolutely a 10 there and and what what i keep coming back to what blows my fucking mind about this movie across the spider-verse god we haven't even talked about spot or like anything like all this hey, yeah. other stuff yeah. ben riley gunslinger all that stuff we haven't even touched it yet <laughs> we'll do it on everyone i guess but what blows my mind about this movie is when you go back and watch the first movie now, it's recontextualized because of this movie. And they... They must... <laughs> Lloyd and Miller must have known that there was a chance for this because there's so many things that actually do, not retroactively because they rewrote it that way, but because if you look at the first film... When Miles meets Peter for the first time and their spider senses go off, mm-hmm. Miles' spider sense is purple and green. Peter's is red and blue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The spider that bites Miles in the first yep. movie when it's coming down the web, the line, it glitches. Now, when you watch that first movie... Before yeah, this movie came but, out, right? Before this movie comes out, right? Just watch the first movie. Pretend the second movie never existed. You don't even think twice about it. You're like, oh, okay, that spider's weird, right? It's because it's from another universe. <laughs> they were always planning this. Like it's, huh. it's so expertly layered, and yeah. and it's so tight. Like the narrative is so tight. I'm not even just talking for an animated film. For any film, this is just expert level shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I was just kind of going back over my mind. Like, no, you're right. It does glitch out. It's not supposed to. At 42, I thought it was just like a side gag from Lord of Miller's production stuff. But that's kind of like they're basing it around. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that's that's really cool. I mean. Like, I'll give him, and we'll talk about this on everyone when we talk about the spot a little more. But, like, you know, the the him getting, being the scientist that got hit by the donut, I don't, you know, that's a, that's a whatever. That's a, <laughs> you can make that connection with the rewrite. Like, a, like, it's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. But the fucking spider glitching the first time we see it, no. They, they, this is all, they already knew. Unlike, unlike J.J. Abrams in the new Star Wars trilogy, they have a story to tell. They know where this story is going, and they knew more or less day one. Yeah. <laughs> and that is that's, fucking amazing. That's pretty impressive. Uh, <laughs> this Bizarro turned really, like, uh, lot, laudatory still. <laughs> Uh yeah, well whatever, dude. This is Excelsior Part Two for me. I I, I told you, I got no negative notes, zero. Oh, I guess one more. It's okay. like a quick one because it's kind of whatever, right? Um, uh, I kind of did kind of when uh Charles when uh Donald Glover, Charles Gambino, uh, he showed up as like the Predator from the Prowler. Like, no, or, yeah, the Prowler. Um, that would have been weird. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just, I see you. Out there in the tree. <laughs> 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 no, 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 Prowler. Yeah, when he shows up as live action Donald Glover, like just himself, I'm like, hmm, that's, they could have just animated that, right? But then they, they kind of double up and they, they show like uh, Sam Raimi. Uh, and scene. Andrew Garfield, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. So I was like, I don't know if I like that that much. That's, I, 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 that's kind of like they, the spot dude goes to the Venom verse for a second anyway at the beginning, but it's like, ah. I kind of visually just kind of jarred, jarred me a little bit. But, you, you weren't uh, ready for that Who Framed Roger Rabbit bullshit? Yeah, 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 I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You have too many too many sad memories from Judge Doom dropping that shoe in that vat of toxic shit uh, and melting uh, it. Uh, <laughs> Between that and like just Toontown in general and patty cakes. and Oh, like, man, patty cakes. He's patty just cake. flipping those those photographs so fast it's animating like, like actual rocks in the scotch uh, it's yeah it, it, i guess so i guess that's what it was I, that's I, probably my favorite line read in the whole movie by the way is when bob hoskins goes <laughs> i'll take a sc- oh let me try and do it i'll try and do it i'm gonna try and do it i'm gonna fuck it up yeah, yeah, go for it <clears throat> i'll be the thing yeah yeah i'll take a scotch on the ice on the rocks who is this oh my god i'll take a scotch on the rocks Christ, my ears. And I mean ice. Ah, shit, take the wallet. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite line in that movie. <laughs> and they bring, they bring him back fucking rocks. He's so mad yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, as he should be. He should. <laughs> no one should want that. Um, by the way, there is some hipster bullshit that I saw uh, where they actually do give you rocks. They're like yeah. some kind of like... Oh, sanitized yeah. rocks that you can the put in your stones. drink. No, but they're not for whiskey. They're literally for like a any alcoholic drink. It's meant to be on the rocks. Oh, okay. But that's the whole. I know. I said it was dumb. Mm. Like I, your disappointment <laughs> is accurate. That's correct. Um, all right, let's move on to the next segment, which is hey everyone. Hey, 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 hey everyone. Hey Peter. Uh, see, and even that's so fitting. You know, we didn't 
that was never meant to be like just a Spider-Man thing, but holy hell does it fit here, right? <laughs> uh, my God. Uh, so I went first. You go first now. Oh, uh, so everyone is for like... Oh, uh, I'm so sorry. I'll, let me explain that. I, I meant you could pick... Uh, Hey, everyone, is uh, for anything new that we have not seen before in this particular franchise or set of films, so it can be new characters, new environments, um, a new animation style, or maybe a new way to tell a narrative story, just something that is new and fresh and that we haven't seen before. Uh, hmm. You know, for me, I think the, the new thing that I liked the most was kind of like the meta-narrative, like all these spider people are kind of aware that of the trauma that they've experienced before, and that's like they, they've gone through that in like the first one, right? But um, like how it's like essential to at least how Miguel sees the universe as like operating, and like uh, I think I like how uh, Miles is kind of like I hope that's where the arc is going with this like uh, narrative where he's like yeah maybe we don't need maybe we can still we just have the responsibility part. It's like we don't necessarily need to experience trauma to do good things. We right, can... you can just want to do good things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we can save everybody. I also, also uh, really glad that you brought that up because um, it clicked in onto something that I was thinking about sort of nebulous, not nebulously, what is like, like, oh my God, what is the word? It's like it was floating in my head, but it, you fear like, like a ferial sort of thought. Yeah. Um, which is... The spiders all relate to one another through that trauma, and they talk about it very openly. Like, they're very, very open with the things that they've gone through. And right. it's pretty therapeutic for them. Almost as if to say, we all went through this collective trauma of COVID, mm -hmm. and maybe it's better if we all talk about it with one another. Instead of just looking at our phones and playing... Uh, you know, casino bingo or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just no one's talking about it, but like, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of right there. It's right in front of us. No, it's just not. Did they not put that there for that reason? Is it, am I reading too much into it? Um, but I think you're right. I do like the idea that Miles is trying to present an alternative perspective. Right. When literally every other spider person has bought into this other thing, with yeah. with with good intention, of course. But like, I think yeah, it, it builds on the first like uh, first movie's kind of like core, where it's like anybody can wear the mask, anybody can like rise up to be a hero. He literally says that. Yep. The end of the yeah. Film. So, yeah. It, it, and it, it, <laughs> the the have it's so kind of like kind of twisted. I don't know if it's like a more of a commentary on like how hard it is to write a superhero you need these like established things almost like a hero's journey kind of thing um you need these tropes you need to have lost somebody to like have purpose and it's like mm, maybe your D, D character doesn't need to be <laughs> so dark and brooding all the time maybe you can just like you know uh be a naive kid who like maybe he'll experience trauma in the future but that shouldn't have to like be the barrier to entry. It was sort of kind of like a weird thing, right? It was some hopefully it helped us recontextualize why or like what a superhero could be or why exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Especially with Miles being like a Zoomer, like at least a you know a younger generation. It's almost like these guys are going to figure out a different way. Like uh, the, I saw a lot of like what goes on in the teaching world is like you know trying to figure out what best practices were before, 
and like what things were you know that proved beneficial in the past it's like ah, these kids live in the future like how can we even start to like we can just prepare them that's the best we can do right and that's like i think that's miles kind of like taking charge of his own kind of like education as a spider person it's it's he doesn't that that is such it's a weird sort of gatekeeping thing to do <laughs> like no you need to you need to experience this traumatic event you need you, everybody, everybody you need to watch your uncle fucking die yeah. man <laughs> your girlfriend dead we need to see it you need to That's see it <laughs> Shout out to all the people at Comic Cons who dress up as Uncle Ben and find Peter Parker's to die in front of them. That shit's amazing. Though. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> it is so my jam. Like, but yeah, that it, it's this is sort of kind of it feels like it's going to be a new narrative, right? Yeah, it's it's great. So uh, my everyone is something way simpler. It's Spot. I fucking love Spot. This guy, uh, Jason Schwartzman, who I uh, <clears throat> hold on. Mm. I uh, I had the pleasure of meeting um, once, wow. and uh, yeah, no, thank you. And um, it was some, it was great. Um, he was the drummer for yeah. No, thank you, uh, Mr. Bale. Uh, are you available to come on our pod sometime? Would be nice. Uh, he was the drummer of Phantom Planet at the time when I saw them, and uh, we got to ch- chat a little bit. And he was super friendly and really down to earth and uh, just wish all the success in the world for him I loved him in Rushmore uh, he's really good in Asteroid City and um, he's so good it's, it's in Spot because he's he feels so real and and like just like you get you know not that much time and it's kind of funny because he's obviously going to be a much larger problem in the, in the third film um Eh, he feels kind of monster of the weekish, <laughs> but, yeah. but he he has real stakes and he has real like emotive agency for why he's doing the things he's doing. It's not just oh, I need to get rich. I mean, it is a little bit that he's literally trying to figure out how to survive because he can't get a job. <laughs> but it's more than that. It's when he's being not being taken seriously by Miles. And God, their fight sequence is so fun when they're like floating through the holes and like spinning around in the in the air, like going through the holes and like they're both out of control. It reminded me a lot of like the Mantis stuff from Guardians Three uh, oh, yeah. that I really love. So I don't know what that kind of humor is, but it really gets me for some reason. <laughs> um, but like clearly, there is a thing with Spot where he has been bullied. He has always felt less than, even though he's a very successful scientist at Alchemax, you know. Um, he has his own journey in things that he's dealing with, and even though we don't get, like, a full view into it, we definitely get to see a lot of that agency there, and I really liked that. It wasn't quite Eric Killmonger level, but you know, for what they had, I was like, really, really impressed. Mm-hmm. He wasn't one note, which was what I was really worried about. And actually, what I thought was going to happen, the way the trailers played it out, I thought Spot was just going to be this goofy little villain that, that Miles fights at the beginning of the movie, and then we don't really see him again. Right. You know, and then there was something else going on. But no, it was something totally different than that. I love when movies, like, take what I think is going to happen and just go, no, dude, you're, you're wrong. You're an idiot. Thank you. <laughs> Um, what else? Spider Punk. 
Oh, Spider-Punk, yeah. I mean, can we talk about Daniel Kaluuya as Spider-Punk? I mean, how many... How many... I don't know. What is, what's the Zoomer version of an emo girl? But, like, gamer like gamer e-girls? How many e-girls' oh. new boyfriend is Spider-Punk? <laughs> have, you, have you seen, like, the... the... Like the other thing, there's e girls and i ladies. Oh no! What? What is that? Is it's like... where i ladies nuts in your mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> On 150, man, this is what you do for me, to me, for me, no, no, for me. No, for me. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, wow, dude! Did not see that coming. You didn't see that coming. Was that? Qu- were you, are you Quicksilver? Because I didn't see that coming. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> if you get it, if, if you get to set the ball on the t-ball thing i'm gonna knock it out man yeah no, that's good i had that was really good man I <laughs> that's uh, i mean lib is gonna love that when she hears it she loves the good these nuts so much. um all right you got anything else for everyone uh, webslinger. We already mentioned him. Gunslinger. Yeah, yeah, gunslinger? yeah, yeah. No, webslinger. Webslinger. Why do I keep calling him gunslinger? Yeah, webslinger. The horse cowboy. Kind of yeah, I still can't find out like who voiced him because I was like, God damn, is that Matt Mercer? Because that'd be hilarious if it were. Oh, I wonder. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got we got a throwback to the 1960s Spider-Man, voiced by the original a voice actor, which was great. We got. Oh. And we haven't talked about Gwen at all. I don't even. There's she doesn't fit here. Um, what else? What else? India Spider Man was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like how he used that. Uh, the yo yo, whatever. Yeah, it was. the little. Yeah, I don't know what that thing is called, unfortunately. But yeah, that little top yo yo thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there is definitely a, a word or a name for it, and I'm sorry that I don't know that. Um, Jeez, I'm just I'm ragging my brain. There's so much. What was that? That there was a lot. The uh, the VR kind of like a spider. Spider bite, spider bite. Yeah. The VR. We've got Spider Man oh, twenty nine, ninety nine. Well, I mean, he's kind of. We saw him in the last one, I guess. Penny came back with like a different mech, different like mech, and the comic book. You got to see Spectacular Spider Man from the animated Spectacular Spider Man show. Uh, that was there. Oh, Ben! Here we go, Ben Riley, uh, voiced by uh, Adam San- Andy Samberg um, of the Lonely Island in Brooklyn Nine Nine fame, and among other things, possibly Adam Sandler's illegitimate son. Um, oh, oh! <laughs> but um, as is a overwrought, dramatic '90s. I know that there are people on the internet that really hated that, and they're really mad. Like, I love Ben Riley. I love the Scarlet Spider costume. I'm, I, I think it's so ridiculous, and I love it. But there are like a lot of real stands out there that that are very mad about how he was portrayed in this film. And I'm just like, what do you mean? He's ridiculous, but he stands out because he's so ridiculous. Why wouldn't you want that for your favorite character, who clearly can't be the main character of this movie? Right, like, <laughs> like it'd be different if that was if he was the main character and they made him that way. I would be like, okay, no, what are you doing? But like, you know, in a literal universe of thousands of spider people, he stands out quite a lot because of the way they made him. Good job. 
Why wouldn't you right, want you that? Right, you just kind of shaded a little differently, right? Yeah, his animation style is different. Um, Spider-Punk, going back to Spider-Punk, his guitar mm-hmm. is animated at a different frame rate than the rest of his body. <laughs> That's insane. That's literally... <laughs> that breaks so many rules of animation, I, I don't even know how to explain it. You're... That's insane that they did that. And it's it's great that it worked out. We got to see fucking the Atari 2600 Spider-Man villain. The little blocky video game villain <laughs> in there. Right. We got yeah. to see the Spider-Man from the Marvel Sony PlayStation Spider-Man was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so much. Um, okay, well, anyway, are we, are we, are you got anything else or are we moving on? I'm good with that one. What are we doing? What do we? What do, we didn't even. We didn't even talk about what the next segment's going to be. Let me, let me just let so, me just pull it out of my head here. Uh, we can do a what if. We can do a bit of both. We could uh, do. We could do. I'm gonna. Let's do. Uh, you know what? This is gonna be really fucking hard for both of us. Uh oh. Let's do an actor audit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, actor audit is a actor audit. Sorry, is a segment where we take a character from a film and we we see who is cast in that role and we say no, terrible. Let's let's do something different. Now, you and I normally we do whenever we're going to do an actor audit segment, we we are well aware of this well ahead of time and we come up with like a list of three. Oh yeah. But we're doing sudden death, babe. We're doing hot okay. seat, hot seat edition of the actor audit. We're gonna go one. You go one. I go one. One. You know, back and forth. And okay. we're gonna do three different actors because in this film we get Miles Morales, but not the Miles we know. We get Miles. G. Morales, played by Harrell Jerome, uh, which so it's not played by um, Shamik Moore. Yeah, it's it's totally different actor, which is pretty wild. I didn't, I I knew that I didn't know that the first time I saw the movie. The second time I saw it, I tried to hear it, like to hear the difference. Honestly, I thought it was Shamik Moore just doing a voice. Yeah. So so that's pretty interesting. Um, for those that don't know, uh, and if you're listening to this and didn't see the movie, I don't know what you're doing, but like the movie, we were talking about it earlier, like an Empire Strikes Back, like a second The Lord of the Rings, not really even like the Lord, more like an Empire Strikes Back, We um, like an Infinity War, we end on a cliffhanger and things do not seem great at the end of of this movie, especially for Miles. He's in an alternate universe that is not his own because he gets... The big reveal, the big plot twist is this whole time he's trying to get back home, but because of the spider that bit him, he gets thrown into that spider's dimension where he is seemingly, he, Miles, that is, is the Prowler. His uncle is alive, but his father is not. It's crazy. He's like in this super dystopian Back to the Future Part 2 bullshit going on. (laughs) It's exactly what it is. So, my, my, uh, we're going to do it this way. We're going to do one actor audit for him. We're going to do one for Gwen and mm-hmm. one for Miguel. Okay. But we're going to start with Miles here. All right. 
But I'm going to twist it and just change it just a little different because this is our show and we get to do whatever we want. Not mm-hmm. Miles. Not Miles. Now, granted, we didn't get to... S- not regular Miles is what I mean. Not our huh? Miles. Not the okay. 1610 Miles. Miles G. Morales. 42 right. Miles. Right? right? Earth 42 Miles. Miles G. Morales. Uh-huh. Let's say you could find a, a, a... Like, again, I don't know anything about Mr. Jerome, but like... What if he? What if they picked a name actor to play uh-huh. this other version of Miles? Okay. Do you got anybody? Anybody yes. that comes to mind? Who you got? Immediately, yeah. Who do you got? Uh, I got, uh, and this is kind of a curveball, but you gotta stick with it, because uh, Miles uh, ten. What? What is it? Ten twenty six or whatever? Uh, Sixteen ten. Sixteen ten miles and forty two miles. One has like the half row, like the. His hair's kind of out and like teased up, and the other one has cornrows. Cornrows. Um, Regina King. Oh, okay. Because it's Huey and Riley from the Boondocks. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. King, who voiced both? Voiced uh, <laughs> forty-two miles. <laughs> I like it. I actually, I mean, you, you, I love this about you. You always throw in something that I never see coming. Yeah, you man. truly are the quicksilver of the podcast because, uh, <laughs> That's what, like when I, when I was back, like just thinking about the movie after after seeing it, like oh my god, it was kind of like both of Miles, like one had cornrows, one one had like a, a little. It really brought you to the Boondocks universe. It's the Boondocks, yeah. yeah. It's just Huey versus Riley. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. That's so good, man. Like I would never have thought of that. <laughs> That's why I'm paid the big bucks. Yeah. Um... Who would I pick? I was okay. I had I, <laughs> when you were talking about the cornrows over and over. It got me thinking, like, ah oh, man, we're talking uh-huh. about Miles. We're talking about Miles. Oh we're no! We're talking about the man who oh, swings from web, who might jump down from a rooftop and punch you in the face with his articulated glove. <laughs> Miles G. Morales. What if we got Allen Iverson? <laughs> You're going to tear him away from those commercials? I forget what he's... Isn't he doing com- some commercials now? Probably. I don't like, know what he's doing. Or some, like, uh, I don't know, old person thing? <laughs> okay, I don't know. Probably. It's like, uh, nah, now that we're all retired, we need the same sort of cover. It's some sort of weird... Type of, oh, I, no. I, is, it like it, a, is it like a reverse mortgage scam? That's not good. No, I don't, okay. Okay. I don't think it's that, like... <laughs> okay. Um, hey, man, former financial advisor here. Don't do a reverse mortgage, guys. Unless you're in a very specific type of situation, please don't do it. Uh, This is not going to apply to anybody listening to the pod, I'm sure. Uh, The other person I had in mind, though, was Michael B. Jordan. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because in terms of, like, the acting and the being able to, like, put forth the attitude and emotion, I think think that this Miles is going to have, I think Michael B. Jordan could knock it out of the park. Yeah, that's a good pick. Okay, next up is... Gwen Stacy, Spider Woman herself, Ghost Spider, Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld, I'm gonna straight out say is there is there is it's perfect casting. I I I can't think of anyone else that would do her role better. But the actress, I'm gonna look it up here real quick because I don't 
know what her name is, but she was mm-hmm. in Wednesday. Emma Myers. Myers. Emma okay. Myers. He was Enid Sinclair. She was uh, Wednesday Adams's uh, uh, roommate in Wednesday, the, the Netflix show. Jenna Ortega's roommate. Um, she played this very precocious teen with a lot of uh, spunk, a lot of pizzazz, a lot of very bright, emotive acting and I wonder it would have changed I think it would have I don't you know that's the only character I've really seen her play Mm. obviously the Gwen in this particular movie is is very weighed down by a lot of heavy shit but I do think Emma Myers would have been able to do something a little different um, but I think would have been able to pull off a, uh, a Gwen Stacy uh, spider Gwen what do you what do you got yeah, yeah that's pretty good uh, like so taking what you took into consideration and like working on working with that you're right Gwen has to do with a lot of interior kind of like uh, inner monologue stuff she, a lot of uh, heavy emotions kind of going through like she's constantly in conflict with what she's doing um, so a voice actress that's already proved herself doing that time and time again would be Tara Strong. I knew it. Fucking hell. As soon as you said, I was like, oh, I didn't say Tara Strong. That was my mistake. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Tara Strong would have been amazing. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of cheating. She can do whatever voice she wants. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, no, like, um, and I, I don't know, maybe that... Just voice acting wise, right? Uh, she can get whatever emotion. Uh, oh, come and think of it, she's also on the Evans list, right? She was Raven in Teen Titans, and she was Miss Minutes in Loki. Yep, yep. So hey, already. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it'd be great to see her kind of get like marquee feature stuff. Um, I mean, she's been prolific for forever. Oh but... yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, you could argue that no, no voice actor, period. Uh, not taking gender into account at all, like just voice actor, has been more prominent, more prevalent, more ubiquitous than Tara Strong over the last, mm. you know, I don't know, 30 years or so. Um, another person, just real quick, that comes to mind is Peyton List from Cobra Kai. Um, I can't think of her character's name. She's not Sam LaRusso. She's like the enemy to the LaRussos to Sam. Uh, uh. Let me see here. I can, I can look it up. What? Cobra Kai mm-hmm. cast. She plays Tori Nichols. Oh, you got it. And um, she actually even, I think, could even do a live-action Spider-Gwen. Um, speaking of that, real quick, I don't know if you saw this, Shameik Moore tweeted out after Spider-Verse came out that he was, quote, gonna get in the gym to lose some pounds to try to play a live-action Miles. Oh, shit. And, I mean, that definitely could work. But the dude's a lot older. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like they should try to, to cast, if they do a live action, um, you know, really young. And I'm talking like 13, 14, 15. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Also, Shamik Moore, who's, you know, like a normal sized person now, but a few years ago was super ripped and like a dancer. So, um, good for him. Uh, all right. 
Yeah, what? I guess he he played pretty young in Dope, but that was like 15 years ago. Yeah, when did Dope come out? Like, no, 2015. So that was already eight years ago. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like if he were that age now, yeah. Right. But may I don't know, man? Maybe, maybe. Uh, Also, uh, when I looked up the year that Dope came out. People also ask, is dope slang for cool? Let's drop down the arrow. <laughs> dope. Cool or awesome. So there you go, guys. If you Ooh. didn't know. Okay. <laughs> didn't know. <laughs> I, need a, I need a the more you know sound drop. Da, 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 da. Yeah. All right. Let's go into the last actor audit for actor audit. Uh, Miguel O'Hara, played by the, I'm going to use this word again, the ubiquitous Oscar Isaac. He's just, he's in every franchise. Star Wars, X-Men, um, this thing, Spider-Verse. <laughs> he's in everything. Um, kill, kill, kills it. He's so unhinged. When he's, try- be when he's trying to go into the, to get to the go-home machine, uh, and what was that? He's about to be in Toetted. Okay. The hippo. The hippo. I know who Toetted is. Yeah. Ah, oh, man, you love that hippo. Take me to the Reeds, girl. She was so nice. <laughs> That's all you want. You just want someone to be nice to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So I almost felt like I was fucking falling into an Arthur Fleck mode right there. I don't yeah. Know what... What's going on, man? You alright? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I told you I had a rough week. Um. Uh, Miguel O'Hara played by Oscar Isaac. Uh, who you got, man? Oh, oh, just hot potato. Me first. Damn. All right. Uh, Miguel O'Hara. I need a uh, Mexican American slash Irish dude. Uh, 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 fuck it, George Lopez. There oh go. God, damn it, dude. No. <laughs> I can't do nothing. <laughs> oh my God. So mine would actually be. Here's what I got. I'm not even gonna. Not even going to. I, you know, we try really hard to yes and on this show. Is that is a no period? This is a no fucking, not even a period. It's a no and then the briefcase closes. It gets put in a vault. That door shuts. You get in a car. That door shuts. The car fucking leaves. It goes off into the distance. You don't even see it anymore. Goddamn. And then you just see a plane take off. (laughs) And you don't see it, but you know that that person is in that plane and they're leaving. That's how no definitive this is. (laughs) Um, No. Give me a second. Give me a second. Okay. Okay. No, no. I'm going to give you a second chance. First Uh, time ever. Second chance. But Uh, I'm going to tell you what mine is. That was a big cut. I appreciate it. Please go ahead. Tell me yours. I'm going to tell you, because this, this is another first. My actor audit replacement is two people. What? Yeah. This is what I got. They can fucking do it for BB-8. They can do it for this. Oh, no. Barry Keoghan. I think that's how you say his name. Uh-huh. Keoghan? I think I think you're right. He was in one. Banshees of Inishirin. Inishirin. He was in the Eternals. He was in the Eternals. He's one of the one good things in the Eternals. He is also maybe the Joker in the Batman, from what I understand. We've talked about it on this podcast. Oh, right, right, right. Him and Diego Luna 
And then they what? just mix the fucking voices into a At new voice. At the same time? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So so we have yes and. We have no briefcase closed, send me to Abu Dhabi. And now I'm inventing the okay ellipses. Yeah. Yes. All right. I guess. Hey okay. man, I'm trying. I'm trying to innovate here. Okay, they're yeah, no, no, they're no. pushing the envelope with animation. I'm gonna push the envelope with voice acting. Okay, fair enough. It, I get, that would work. Yeah, he's of two minds of some sort of. Yeah, I. You know what? It would it would work. You could sell it with the animation. Like he could be coming in and out of frame or whatever. He'd be like a phasing kind of like, uh, you know, the line art and the coloring kind of like. Maybe some off. blurring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, it can work. All right. All right. Uh, I've done some batting practice. I think I've warmed up. I think I actually have another pick. Okay. So, the thing that made Miguel kind of, like, uh, scary was how, like, intense he got and how, like, uh, unhinged he could be, like, at a moment's notice. He seems like a nice guy, pretty affable. You can approach him and talk to him. Probably a pretty good hang sometimes, but... Like, he's intense. He's, like, serious. He's, oh, he's like, super intense, yeah. Got the focus. Like, don't fuck this up for me. That I mean, that type of presence leads me to, like, maybe not, like, your traditional actor area. Okay. Uh, oh, boy. Somebody who's, like, used to being in front of crowds that might be hostile sometimes, might be kind of cool sometimes. Like, so, from the world of stand-up comedy, let me present you with Tom Segura. Okay. I like now, it. Uh, Tommy Buns, he has this like serial killer mode. Absolutely. He Absolutely. He, he, he's got the darkness, man. It's uh, it's it's just under the surface. <laughs> All of the time. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I bet hanging out with Tom Cigar, I gotta ask James, because James knows Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta talk to James. James knows Tom. I wonder if hanging out with Tom Segura is like just living in a real life uncut gems. <laughs> You're constantly on edge because you don't know what's going to happen. You just don't know what's going to happen. It, it's that Michael Keaton moment from Homecoming. Yeah. Where he turns oh, around and so good. I'm, yeah, I'm going to fucking gun you down. <laughs> I'll kill so, you right now. Oh, it's so good. Spider-Man has been blessed with so many amazing moments cinematically. It is, mm. it is an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> and then you have the Amazing Spider-Man too. Whoa! <laughs> fired! Shots fired! I, I saw a meme. I don't know if you've seen this. Usually, it's like a drawing of a horse, and like the first oh, yeah. segment's like really amazing, and like you know yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like what you and they can apply it to anything. Some a lot of times it's like Game of Thrones seasons, and then like the last two are like fucking like a two-year-old drew it. It looks really bad. Right. But there's, like, a version of that horse that is, like, a CGI, like, on-fire phoenix horse that looks beautiful all the way through. And somebody put all the Spider-Man movies. Not just... I'm not talking about Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Man. I'm talking about all the Spider-Man films. And they right. just made it that entire image of that horse. Uh-huh. And, dude, I am, like, the biggest Spider-Man fan. You know. You know, I know lots of people say that. But, like, you know me. It's, yeah. it's this is real but when I saw that meme I, I looked right at that little sliver where the Amazing Spider-Man 2 was and I went don't you fucking dare no <laughs> <laughs> and 
it made me mad. I was like, that's not right. The, even Spider-Man 3 has its moments, but no. Um, but by and large, man, I gotta say, is this being my favorite comic book character, been truly blessed with some amazing, amazing theatrical representation here. Yeah. Uh, just a, just a, a, an embarrassment of riches. Um, <laughs> I like that though. Tom Segura. Right. Really good. That's really good. And it's out like, of the box. Always with you out of the box. Instead of like the whole like shouting right in Miles' face, he could, he could do the same monologue, but it's just like, you know, kind of like deadpan and like mm-hmm. very Hannibal Lecter-ish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Any final thoughts? I, I'm going to take this while you're, when I asked you that, and so you can uh-huh. take a second to think about it because I do want, this doesn't fit in anything. Normally we we are confined to the segments, but I do feel like we did not get enough Spider-Gwen conversation in here. And okay. to me in this film, she almost feels like a co-lead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like she's not a supporting character. This is a co-lead situation. And the uh, the journey that she takes, everything with her dad, my God, the second time uh, upon the second viewing of the film, when her dad starts reading her the Miranda rights after she's shown him oh, that shit, she yeah. is Spider Woman, broke my fucking heart, dude. Yeah. Like it got me the first time, but the second time I saw it, I was just like, oh, like. My God, could the amount of being alone, being isolated, being let down by the one person that's supposed to love you. Right. And to be let down in that way. Holy shit. Yeah, that's that. That's a real Javert moment, right? It's like he's he's the law. He's just he knows what he has to do, but it's not right this time to do it. Right. It's just Oof, man. What was your favorite Gwen moment in this movie? Honestly, like the beginning, like where she was kind of just pounding out in the drums and like she kind of quits her band. <laughs> the Mary Janes, right? Yeah, the Mary Janes, which from the comic. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I like that. It was just like a kind of a good like mix of animation with the drumming and like uh, just... Kind of reminded me of Whiplash. A little bit. Yeah, she's definitely on her own tempo. Uh, but uh, I don't know, that kind of cold open uh, to it. Like mm-hmm. like you say, she, it really does feel like she was a, or she was shaping up to be the protagonist, the main the main kind of the the principal lead of this uh, this movie. The movie begins and ends on her. Yeah, and that's... the drums the drums kick back in right when it's about to end. Yeah. Um, again, just all the kudos in the world to Joaquin Dos Santos, Kim Powers, Justin K. Thompson, the the tri, um, uh, trifecta of directors, and then of course Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, Dave Callahan as the writers on the film, and of course the the dozens, the thousands, hundreds, and thousands of um, animators that made this thing a reality. Um, and from what I understand, the reason that the, the next movie is going to come out so soon is because they basically filmed, quote unquote, both of these movies back to back. They can already, right? Yeah. So I think they just need to record dialogue for some of the characters, and but it's, it's pretty much good to go. 
um, which is thank God because I would not want to have to wait another five years <laughs> for for the next one. It, ah, that would that would make me very very sad. That would have been my Bizarro for sure, <laughs> a thousand percent. Uh, any final thoughts, Chris, on across the Spider Verse before we leave it here? Yeah, can't wait. Uh, March, you said, right? Yeah, I believe that's the tentative date right now. But obviously, with the writers' strike and you know just the world, who knows? If they could, if Sony just like full on commits to just having an animated Spider uh, license to the Spider Verse, whatever. Yeah think they would be well served to do that's so. what they should do actually you know what let's take a real brief moment here before we get out of this show let's talk about that yeah because today uh i actually saw and i think it either got released today or yesterday but somebody leaked an image from craven the hunter of aaron taylor johnson as mm -hmm. craven and he looks like he's wearing it's just one still and who the fuck knows and it's so hard to tell right but it looks like he's wearing a costume made by whoever was the costume designer on the Ben Affleck Daredevil film from the like early 2000s. Mm -hmm. It does <laughs> it does not look good. Objectively <laughs> does not look very good. It looks like it could be he looks like an extra from the set of Xena. Like uh Ooh. Warrior Princess that is for those that are not familiar with Xena. Um so so on that note yeah, man, let's. We didn't do a what if segment, but fuck, what if Sony realized, wow, we are really good with Lloyd and Miller. They definitely have a vision. We can bring in other talent that maybe they could recommend and really push out this animated universe and just do other stories and do all this great stuff. Let's make that our thing. Let's let the live action shit, let, let Marvel do it. Right. They're clearly better at it. Morbius, I think Venom and Venom 2 on some level really prove that. I'm really, really getting concerned for Craven now. Mm -hmm. um, I will say, I, I know what they're trying to do for Madam Web and the story they want to tell, and I think it sounds amazing. The idea, the concept of what they want to do sounds really, really good, but I do not have any confidence in their ability to execute said vision. And so, man, what if, like you said, what if they were just like, you know what, this animation thing, we're crushing it. We're literally making the best Spider-Man films of all time. Right. Let's just keep doing that. What is wrong with I mean, doing that? For real, it's smart. It's a smart play, too, because there's Sony. They have the PlayStation to push. Why can't you just make this into the video game? Right. Right? Where's that missed opportunity? Where's the Spider-Verse video game where you can create your own Spider-Man? Yep. Are you fucking kidding me? Do you create know how many... Do you know how many... Do you, do, you, do you know how many slow release uh, builds you could make and then if people want to speed it up you do the microtransaction bullshit? I hate that shit, but man, is there a more perfect idea for it than this? You're basically telling them to get you on the hook, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I am literally telling them to take my money. Like, TM, TM, Amy Pascal, TM. Oh, do we need to get Amy on the line? Dude, all I know is they need us. They're leaving money on the table. <laughs> that is that is upsetting to me. Um, not that they're leaving money on the table, that we're not involved directly yet. <laughs> we can't wait our beak. You know what um, I'm saying? 
because we got the passion we got the 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 ideas we can make it happen uh but until then i am really loving what they're doing and i just wish they would stick with this you're absolutely 100 percent right let kevin and the and the other crew deal with with peter and with tom and all of that p.s tom hardy might be a delight to work with in like just the ar booth oh i bet i bet oh my god dude can you imagine the fun he would have (laughs) you know what's so crazy also if you think about it like yeah doc ock i mean yeah doc ock in the first film was a was it's a pretty big character and kingpin's decently big He's fucking huge, right? I mean, like, you know what I mean. In this movie, we got the spot who's like an E-list character. <laughs> He's right above Big Wheel? No green... Right above Big Wheel. No Green Goblin. No Hobgoblin. No Carnage. Right. No Venom yet. And these movies are crushing it. Yeah. You do not... You don't have to rely on the most well... What did Guardians of the Galaxy teach us? You don't have to rely on the most recognizable... IP within a property you can, you can just tell a good story that is the fucking lesson tell a good story and it's gonna work out that's that's my final thought and, and, and everyone here told the absolute best story they could and I'm I'm truly thankful for it alright man Let's move on to wow. This this podcast is going to be as long as the damn movie. Um, <laughs> all right, we got Big Wheel Winner of the Week. Let's go. No, you can pray for love to give you fire. All right. Well, we uh, so Big Wheel for those that may not be initiated is our uh, and also. Much loved always to um, Mr. Jeremy Renner. Um, have, I haven't seen anything on him. Is he doing okay? We really need to. Yeah. yeah no, okay. I think he's doing all right. I know he's got that show, Renovations, by the way. Yeah. Disney Plus. <laughs> we should probably watch an episode of that and cover it on, the, <laughs> on an episode. Uh, yeah. Just do like a quick little five minute thing on it. Um, but uh, it's where we take, uh, Chris, as you so eloquently put it, it's when you are doing the most, but, but doing the least. And um, I also, I, I mean, obviously, Tanas Huerta could could be a candidate here. Uh-huh. Um, maybe Adam Driver and Margot Robbie for wanting too much. I don't think they're asking for too much, but who knows? You 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 coming down on the side of the company? No no no. I'm just, I was just saying. I I'm just. I'm throwing out possibilities, man. I'm not saying that's my across the, the picket line. Is it me for not having a Bizarro and instead doing a second? Excelsior <laughs> segment hidden within the Bizarro. Hoodwinked and bamboozled another one in there. Yeah. Um, or is it Gotham Knights? What? Yeah, see? We didn't even talk about it, but this is why. <laughs> this is why. I'm not talking about the video game, which you're like, oh, the video game. Yeah, didn't do that well. Pretty fun game. It's a little... Uh, it's got a lot of, like, you have to grind a lot in that game, which is like... Oh. Maybe not the best thing. No, I'm talking about Gotham Knights, the CW show. Oh. Where they decided to take the premise, which involves Batgirl, 
Red Hood, Robin, and Nightwing and include none of those characters. But put them in Gotham. Put, put Make them be like this mischievous bunch of like teens that also look like they're in their 30s somehow. Um, <laughs> it's a show on the CW. Uh, it, I think it aired three episodes and has been canceled. Damn. I don't know if they're actually going to re- release the rest of the episodes or if they've already been released. Um, but the show is done, my friend. And we've never covered it on the show because, I'll be honest, I took a look at it and before I even saw anything. When I read what they were doing, I was like, nope. This is a waste <laughs> of time. This is not going to be anything. Lo and behold, they they pushed through a bunch of promotion. They went to college campuses, apparently, and had... Um, representatives throwing parties or something. Just wild mm. shit. Just just batshit crazy stuff. <laughs> and this thing absolutely fell on its face. Have you even heard of the Gotham Knights live action show before I just said no, it right now? No, it's, a, it's amazing that it got... It saw the light of day and the Batgirl movie didn't, I guess, but yeah. same level? That, yeah, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> just, just wild stuff. So, uh, yeah, that'll be the first and last time we ever talk about the Gotham Knights CW live action show. Um, just wild, wild stuff. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Combo Characters. We really do appreciate it. Be sure to give us a like on whatever platform you listen to. Hit up CB, uh, combocharacterspod.com. Let it take a, take you into the social media scrum and interact with us. Shoot us an email it's at cbcharacters at gmail.com uh, or, again, through the Facebook. Um, and feel free to, to, to tag on Twitter. If you want to talk about Combo Characters Pods, hashtag CBCPod. Okay? We're not on Twitter. We don't have a presence yet. We're, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Me. This guy right here, Alfred. I'm going right to do it. No, not right now. But but before the end of the summer, it will be out. Um, and so if you want to hashtag CBCPod with any questions or any thoughts at all about anything you've heard on this episode or any other episode, things you might want us to bring back, perhaps the Kumite, we could bring that back. We could Ooh, do yeah. what they do. That could definitely come back. <laughs> I have been fearful of doing another episode of what they do, but we could totally do it. I just got to get like a head helmet or something. Um, <laughs> oh, shit, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, everybody listen and look for the Armless Tiger Man episode of Combo Characters yeah. and enjoy. That's that's a definitive bit of CBC pod lore. Def- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. First page, golden stamped. Like. But uh, yeah, man, with that, the Fortress of Pawtoot is closed. Remember, everybody, until next time, see you next time. Until next time, see you next time. <laughs>